What's up, everybody? This is episode 108 of Cooldown Time. This is a weekly show where two ridiculously busy guys cool down and talk video games. I am your graphically impressive host of the show, Marco, and joining me is the technical mess of the show, the Legend of Zelda of the show. Uh, Pablo is here. Pablo, uh, obviously this is a pretty big episode for you as a big fan of Zelda, but before we get into all that... How are you doing, man? How how is your life going right now? Yeah, life is going good. Um, you know, still keeping up with all the daddy stuff. Mm. We were supposed to go on a little thing today, but the kid just wasn't he just wasn't feeling great, so we decided to skip out and you know, it's been good. Just been hanging out with the wife, trying to make her feel uh, you know, at ease mm. as uh, Mother's Day approaches here in a couple of uh, hours. Uh, for those of you who not know, we record a couple of days before. We're not live to record. Wow, just ruin the immersion, uh, Pablo. But, Go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. So all that basically just to say is that I am uh, just trying not to just go crazy and stay as monotone as possible, as you guys have noticed, <laughs> without going crazy about Tears of the Kingdom. Oh Lord, guys, and, listen. And, and, let me let me get the floor for thirty five minutes. So oh, starting nineteen eighty six, not nineteen eighty six. No, no. Honestly, I it's you know it. it I I wish I had I played more though. I played a lot like mm. a Friday night to set. Like I literally played like to like five or six a.m. Like I played a lot, um, and I was I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. Uh, but you know have to balance that with the new life now. Uh, and you know it's not too bad. It's going great. All, all well. How about for yourself, man? Yeah, man. Uh, daughter duty is daughter duty. It's the same old thing. Uh, new week, new something from daycare. So battling that out oh, yeah. again. Tell me about that. Yeah. But uh, other than that, no, man, I've, I've been doing all right. It's been a pretty low key week other than that kind of shit going on. But uh, just, uh, man, spent a lot of time getting ready for this this uh, this this big game to come out. And uh, now that it's finally here, it's almost kind of surreal that we're actually here in this episode talking about it for the very first time. So I'm really excited to get this shit going. Uh, speaking of which, Pablo, why don't you go ahead and give the people a quick rundown of what is in store for this episode, if you don't mind. Yeah, in this episode, guys, finally it's here after years of waiting and many failed bets. <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom has arrived and nothing in the video game world matters. And I mean that with all my heart. <laughs> but we have a video game podcast, so we do have to talk about other things. So everyone is saying a PlayStation Showcase is coming. So we're going to go ahead and talk about that. Plus, mm, Metal Gear Solid 3 remake rumors are picking up. And we're going to also discuss that because, come on, right after... Zelda, Metal Gear Solid 3, man, this is my month, man. Mm. We're going crazy. Then, to top it all off for our main event, we're going to reveal the top five best duos in the history of gaming for our main event. Can you guess my number one? 
We don't know. We don't know. It could be some surprises. See, Pablo, you got you to get people the suspense. You know what I mean? You got to let people. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't answer the uncertain. question. I propose, yeah, I propose but, a question. But your tonality, all right? Your tonality yeah, no, is yeah. it's, it's just not there. Uh, I think people will be surprised at who we have on our list and who we don't have on our list. I think some people yeah. are going to be pretty surprised. Um, but nevertheless, that is what is in store for us this episode. So, Pablo, let's not waste any time. Let's jump right in to what is unquestionably the biggest segment of this week's episode by far, which is loadouts. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. Ladies and gentlemen, one of us has a Zelda tattoo. One of us has a Zelda grudge. And both of us have played The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. So it's time for that fanboy and this skeptic to talk about it in an epic loadout segment where our worlds truly collide as gamers. Pablo, we are breaking Tears of the Kingdom down into eight different categories of discussion just so there's uh there's so much of this game to talk about it would be impossible to just blurt out at random what we think of the game without talking for 82 minutes straight each uh how easy you know to me um i've been worried about this episode for weeks now i'm like oh god pablo what, what is he gonna do um but we're gonna break this down into some categories pablo we're gonna talk about the story first then we're gonna dive into the new mechanics and features the world pacing and flow of the game the technical aspects of the game any surprises we are uh thinking about good or bad and then we're going to round it out with our final thoughts about the game and the critical uh, consensus about the game as well so pablo let's not waste any time let's jump right in to the very first question here that i have on the docket pablo after we sort of demanded a better story out of Tears of the Kingdom on this show, compared to how it was in Breath of the Wild, to be more specific, what is sort of your, I guess, spoiler-free take on how the, I guess, the early game story is shaping up so yeah. far? What are you thinking? Yeah, it's no secret that uh, Breath of the Wild didn't have a great story. It's also no secret that the Zelda games, in fact, are usually pretty kind of derivative when it comes to storytelling. Save, you know, Link is the the final hope and save Princess Zelda. But even with all that said, right off the bat, the story of Tears of the Kingdom is already that much more interesting than Breath of the Wild. And honestly, it's opening cinematic. It's probably the most intrigued and interested I've been in any Zelda game uh, from the start. Uh, you know, setting the events off the game, uh, and we saw this in the in the trailer uh, with like a reanimated body uh, of the mummified demon king kind of thing. All that to, to kind of lead off with that and kind of that whole journey that uh, Zelda and Link are going through and them seeing them together, you know, and, and exploring together, even though for a short amount of time, it, it was riveting, really. I mean, you know, I, it, for me, it's weird because you, anybody who's played a game before, any kind of video game sees that and they don't think too much about it. Uh, it's an opening portion of a game. But as a Zelda fan, by the way, those who haven't figured out, I'm the, fan, I'm the fan here, the fan yeah, boy. He's the guy, he's the guy um, with the tattoo, ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't already know. Yeah, notice. I'm the guy with a massive uh, Zelda tattoo. Yeah. Uh, I this this meant a lot to me. This meant to me at, at least that they're trying to tell a story that's 
a little bit more than what we're uh, used to when it comes to to Zelda Zelda games in uh, in reality of it all. So uh, as the story goes on, my fear so far is that the at lead, leading up to the objectives that the story would wear thin or would be thin in that there wouldn't be a story. I am finding surprisingly that as I'm approaching these objectives, there are story elements being sprinkled in, whether it be through dialogue or some cutscenes. So right now I'm approaching this area uh, of an objective that I got. Again, keeping it spoiler free. And as I'm leading up to this moment that I know is going to happen, I, uh, I, I've i already gotten a lot so much context within that world, what's happening in that section of the, or the region of the map, and kind of rekindling some relationships that I have with people from Breath of the Wild and kind of see where they are now. So already they're they're kind of uh they're they're doing what i wanted them to do now will this be consistent throughout this is a game about exploration hours and hours and hours of getting lost and doing stuff will there be contextual story things here and there i don't know i doubt it but so far they're doing a pretty good job when it comes to story uh in terms of what i wanted so so far they're answering the call but there's still a lot of game to be left so we'll, we'll see what happens how about you how do you feel about that yeah i kind of agree um you know it's interesting because i think the intro to to your point was a real like i love that intro i love how as soon as yeah. you boot that game up it starts off just making you play the game there is no like yeah. start game you know it just jumps you right into it and it is kind of like jarring in a good way at first because to your point yeah like okay i'm walking around with zelda right now you know not that i'm like in a starstruck kind of way but it's just like wow you know like you can feel the continuity from breath of the wild immediately because the job was done you know they are together and you can you know get a little bit of a glimpse into the relationship And, and the reason why i think that's important is because seeing them together sort of it justifies why you're you're moving heaven and earth to find this this woman, you know? Like yeah. For a while, it just feels like you're chasing some person and you don't even know what she even really means to Link and and why they yeah. even, you know, are so tied together. And, and those moments together, as, as, like, trivial as they may seem of, oh, you're just kind of exploring this, this area underground, it is nice to have a little bit of that dynamic where, you know, you kind of doing your thing with Zelda. It's, it's kind of yeah. interesting. So I do like that. Um, overall, I do have the same concern, though, about the setup kind of being as good as it is, sort of being where it peaks, and then the game just kind of trails off narratively uh, throughout the rest of it until the end. Um, I do agree, though, that it does seem like they are peppering in a lot of little bits of, of plot progression and continuity from breath of the wild which is definitely welcome um but i do still think at least in the early game that um, the concern about the game sort of front loading its story is there um and i do think to a certain extent just based on the open-endedness of the game it is unavoidable that it is gonna it is gonna fall to the back burner because if you want to go do other things and stay off the beaten path then you're not going to get any story probably um and even if you let me ask you even uh, if you do it'll just question. be even if you do it'll just be like side quests with like characters that right. don't really have a bottom line but what, what was your question and those side quests still suck um my question to you is have you how i'm trying to word this because come more, this is more for my information. Have you re- done any of the objectives once you you've reached Hyrule proper? Have you gone to any of the regions that they've told you to go to? No, no, not yet. I, okay. I'm on. Yeah. Well, I'm on my way to the first one. 
Right. Okay. So, it, but I've stopped to I, I've stopped to do shrines basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Me too. So, once you start the objective, once you get to that area, there's more, a lot more story there. So I was just wondering about that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I agree. That lead up to that place because you get so lost or or lost in the world getting to those objectives that it could be a couple hours before you see anything story oriented. So yeah. that's more of the the game itself, but. I just want him to keep carrying that torch when it comes to the story. Yeah, let's hope it does. Let's hope it does. We'll probably know yeah. more on how that's landing next week when we have some more time under our belt with with the game, and we can probably speak on some things some things a little bit more definitively uh, from a storytelling standpoint. But what about the new mechanics, Pablo? What are your first impressions of those new gameplay mechanics and how they're being used? Uh, do they feel fun and intuitive? Are they a bog down? Um, do we like how often we are led to use them? What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I think this, there's a saying that goes here. Hindsight is twenty twenty, because the opening hours of that game act like an intense core study on the new mechanics of Tears of the Kingdom. So much so that they feel forced and that the illusion of choice is interrupted by the fact that you don't have much choice uh, when it comes to, hey, Ultra Hand is here, you, you have to use Ultra Hand right now. Like, uh, and, and so on and so forth with re- the rewind feature and the ascend feature. Uh, and from that, it feels a little bit like, okay, they're really trying to get you to know these things. I really hope that I am not having to use those mechanics like exclusively like i have to use those mechanics um but luckily once that you pass that that's that's not the case but i will say in terms of how it feels i think ultra hand is a good idea but it's clumsy yeah it feels pretty clumsy i agree um I think that the fuse stuff is really cool, but I have to get in the mindset of fusing shit because I don't do it often enough. And in the world, your weapons in that world, all of them, if they're not fused, they're weak based on some story stuff. So you have they're forcing you there to fuse it, which is not a bad thing to fuse and and, and make some really cool weapons, especially if you get Zonite technology and start fusing that to regular weapons. It makes really cool tech. But that kind of stuff is just a mindset thing. And then Ascend is another thing that I think is awesome. It's one of my favorite powers in the game, just Ascend going through shit. I just forget that I have it a lot of times, so I'm going through these moments. I'm like, where the fuck am I supposed to go? How am I supposed to get up there? Oh, literally just go through the goddamn mountain uh, and get up there. So it's more or less just kind of getting used to it. And, and But the Ultra Hand is the one thing you use the most. It's the, it's the it's like the, the, the premium new ability that they're showcasing. And I would say... As time goes on, am I getting used to playing it, uh, using it? Yes. Is it still clumsy, though? Absolutely. It, it's it's very much clumsy in that way. But I will say this. In terms of the way uh, of how it was introduced and then how you play the game, I, I'm not finding any more that the game is making you build shit. Uh, I'll give you an example. I went to this area. The bridge was down, and there was wood, and there was an axe, and there was things everywhere. You can obviously make a makeshift uh, bridge to cross that, right? But there's also, on the far end, a fireplace or a little uh, campfire, and I just threw some pine cones in that, and that campfire. It blew, it, it went higher, the, the fire went higher, and it created like a gust of wind, and I used my glider to just go across the other side instead of building that thing. So it's still, it's thankfully... Just because it's a new mechanic, it's not limiting you to have to use it once you get out of that opening area. So that's good about that. But yeah, man, I my only thing is is 
as you go down the line, Ultra Hand becomes a little more streamlined. There's some stabilizing stuff that happens when you build stuff that you'll get to. That Once that happens, it'll feel a little bit better because nothing has to be perfect. However, I the, the clumsiness of the way it feels on the controller and the way that you turn the stuff on that axis, the X and Y axis, don't you don't have a lot of mobility there. So there's a lot of like puzzly like way to trying to get that thing to look yeah. upright. A lot of that stuff is it's a little bit annoying. It, it was frustrating. Now it's just an annoyance. Now that I'm getting more used to it, but yeah, I, I, I'm not gonna say I'm disappointed because I, I I am using it readily whenever I feel like it and, and it feels fine. But it does feel a little bit clumsy to the point where it's like, man, I wish there was a different solution for this in terms of how they implemented it. Yeah, I mean, I I'll go as far as to say that I find it disappointing. Um, you know, I think that. Ultra Hand to me, um, it, it, it in part it's like a taste thing because, and, and I think even you probably feel something similar to this. We're not like the builder crafting type of, of right. gamers, right? So we're already kind of stepping outside of our comfort zones because we're trying to give Zelda of all IP the benefit of the doubt, right? Um, but I think at the end of the day, I'm I'm running into a brick wall because this just isn't my kind of thing. And I also agree that the mechanics themselves are very wonky, um, especially the angles that you can end up with with an object. It's like, okay, I just want this to be like straight. How do I do that without like mashing, you know, the X and Y axis over and over again? Um, or even even when you try to do like the ZL thing to, to straighten it out, it still doesn't work perfectly either. Um, yeah. So I, I do admit that I find it at the moment to be a bit of a bog down. I think it's also a very slow burn of a process. And maybe, you know, yeah. as, as hours go on, you get more accustomed to it. You can probably get a little bit quicker with your fingers and, and get it done with whatever you want to build. But I, I just don't find it to be as intuitive as I hoped. Um, it, it is simplified. It's not like it's trying to be super complex, but it's still just right, doesn't. Right, right, right. I... I I think my biggest problem with that is I still have not found a compelling reason to want to build any type of, of big thing, you know, like I'm, it's cool that people are posting these like crazy ass videos on Twitter of making these like giant penile monstrosities out there, you know, or like, or just like these massive tanks and stuff like that. It's cool that you can do that. But I just think cool is one thing. Practical is another and best use of your time is another Thing as well and I just feel like this this sort of mechanic is sort of a swing and a miss on two out of three of those uh, those things yeah I, I agree and I agree to an extent though I will say uh, as you fir- go further down the line and you kind of start understanding just other mechanics and, and the physics of that world you kind of start just getting a little interested I wonder if maybe you won't but I do I, I'm in a section right now where I gotta go high and I was like, man, this is kind of like slogging through this. And I did something where I made a contraption, which is items that I had on hand. And I just made it to that next level on something that I completely made up out of nowhere. It wasn't stuff that was laying around. It's stuff yeah. that I had on my uh, on hand. And I did it. And it was and, and it felt really cool. Now, that's definitely just like a moment in time. But I am happy that the game isn't forcing me. OK, I have to get to this place. The only way I can get there is I, f- I build a fucking flying machine. No, there is that that was afraid of that that they would force that on us a little bit more. Besides the opening place, they're not doing that too much. So I am building more. 
just out of curiosity and interest more than I thought I would. And it's nine times out of ten, I give up halfway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or it's like the idea and then the execution isn't great. But yeah. um, well, there's certain things that I'm getting now that make it really, really, really easy to build and just kind of easy to 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 have something in mind and then do it because of certain things that I've gotten. You, once you get those things, you, you'll realize what, what I'm talking about. But I still don't think you're going to be like out there building these huge mechs because I'm not going to be doing that, you know, so... Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to I want to keep going here. Um, Fuse. So I think Fuse is fun, um, but I do think that it is oftentimes unnecessary, in my opinion, due to the lack of a meaningful challenge with enemies. Um, I kind of compared it to Pablo offline. Is like, you know, it, these enemies are not very smart. They're, they're like they're like swatting flies, right? They're just not that difficult. At least at least the ones that I've run into on a pretty regular basis so far. It feels like they're giving you like overly elaborate ways to swat a fly like what if you swat a fly with a fucking rocket launcher like it, i mean it'll get the job done but does it really feel like it needed to do that to kill these guys like so i think in some ways it does i get it from a narrative standpoint how they tried to make it like relevant to the story and what's going on with with hyrule at, at this point but i think for, in terms of functionality and necessity um it just doesn't feel like a super essential thing to do um, especially when you think about more of like the creative weapons, like, oh, well you can use this long fucking fencing stick to, if you want more ranged yeah. attack, like well, it doesn't fucking matter. These guys go down in five hits anyway. So it, it's a lot like what I was afraid of from watching that 10 minute gameplay demonstration. It just feels like very overly intricate ways of doing the same thing, which is kill an easy enemy. Um, so I just don't find yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. gratification from it. Although I think that the, the feature itself is cool. Um, let me talk about real quick. Uh, the Ascend one, I think, is pretty straightforward. I don't have a lot to say about that. It's cool that it's there. Oh, yeah. I don't know how practical it's going to be for me, depending on where I'm at. Uh, but cool. The rewind feature. Um, I think this one's a little overrated. I, I, I don't really see a lot of... I mean, I, I think that from an engine standpoint and what it's trying to... Re- like. This is a very simplistic way of saying it, but what this game has to remember as far as like what's falling and what's moving in a certain way to be able to rewind it back, I think is really interesting in concept. But I feel like I've seen this type of thing in other games so many times that even though this might be a better version of that under the hood, it doesn't feel remarkable to me in execution, if that makes sense. It just feels like, oh, mm. uh, a rewind feature. I feel like I've seen that in a lot of games. So it doesn't really leap off the, the screen for me in any kind of meaningful way. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's like the 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 one mechanic that jumps out at me either. But, I mean, I've done some really cool stuff with it, especially with gliders and stuff and, and trying to get stabilized and, and, and midair. So mm. I've done stuff like that. So, I mean, there there's a level, so all that stuff, like... Um, but yeah, you're right. I, I think, like you said, re- recall as they as they call it, it is fine. It works for for puzzles and, and certain things in the open world. Uh, Ascend as you you'll see you'll see eventually that Ascend is actually kind of like clutch. Uh, uh, but um, yeah, once you get there, we'll, we'll talk about that there. Um, okay. But yeah, man, um, I'm 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 liking it overall. The mechanics. It's just there are certain things that I, I wish worked a little different. Here's what I'll ask you before we move to the next topic. Do you like the the mechanics in this game better or worse than Breath of the Wild's mechanics? I 
Uh, I like them better. Okay. Um, I just think, I just think you can the, all of them together can really speak to each other in a way that they really they did in the first game, but not as much. And you can really do some really dope shit. And the Ultra Hand, regardless how we feel about it, just like the sheer kind of accomplishment of it and what it is, I think is like fucking amazing. Uh, but yeah, I I like these features better. I, I do. Gotcha. All right, well, let's move on to the third category of this conversation, Pablo, and that is the world itself. How do you feel about this version of Hyrule compared to Breath of the Wild? Um, is it too samey? Is it unique and refreshing? Or is it somewhere in the middle for you? And why? Yeah, I don't think it feels samey. I would say that they, it, there is definitely a sense of familiarity, but it's definitely refreshed for me. Uh, there's... There's a lot going on in this world that makes it feel refreshed. There are areas in that game that are brand new to Tears of the Kingdom. Let's just say um, you don't understand how much there really is to this game until you see it. And it's kind of like, oh, what the... It's the biggest what-the-fuck moment I think I've had in video games in a long time. It reminds me of a game that I won't say what it was that I had that in the last couple of years that happened, and I was like, what in the living hell? Uh, the Skylands, all that stuff is really dope. Early on, they take kind of a backseat, but they be, they come back to prominence again uh, as the game goes as the game goes on, and th- those are amazing. There's a lot more than those than you think they are. Um, but for me, ultimately, uh, it just it feels a lot more refreshed to me. I mean, yes, you'll, you'll reach certain le- areas that are familiar, but ultimately they did enough here for it to feel it doesn't feel like DLC, right? That was a concern. It doesn't feel like oh, this is just the same thing over and over. Like Now we're huge Yakuza fans that we've been to Kamurocho 100,000 times so that does work too, like having that sense of, oh, I know where this is, I know where this is. And this game is a little different because there are areas that you might have remembered from, from Breath of the Wild that are completely different areas or have been taken over by enemies or enemy infested places are now driving towns. Like little things like that uh, uh, do happen often enough to where it feels kind of like, okay, time has passed. I see that here with in the game itself but yeah that's how i feel how about you you know i'm gonna i'm gonna be the king of weird comparisons for this game but uh i'm gonna compare my feeling about this map to uh fortnite um you know how like with new seasons like there's mm. something will happen in a region of, of the map and then it just it's unrecognizable it gets bombed out or it gets replaced with some type of like weird cyberpunk metropolis or something yeah, yeah there's yeah. there's there's a, a certain excitement about coming back to those places in Fortnite and going, okay, I wonder what's changed, right? I feel that way when I play through Hyrule, like um, from what I've seen so far. It's like, okay, I know this area, but I wonder what's different about it in this game. And then you go there and it's like, oh, this is interesting. Like this is here now. And that's kind of like bombed out. But now they put this thing, you know, I'm trying to be very vague here so I don't give anything away. But like there are some noticeable like, oh shit, like that's different. Um, So I do like that. Now, I, I think that there is a little bit of like, there's a little bit of a palette swap kind of thing going on with, you know, these shrines replacing the old shrines and these towers replacing the old towers. So there's a little bit yeah. of like a parallel there, um, but they have just enough of a little twist to them to make them still feel like new. So I think from a, a location standpoint, there's a, this is actually one of the, the the more like relieving aspects of the game that I'm not so down on that Facts. I thought I would be. Like I'm actually, yeah. I actually would rate this as being unique and refreshing, uh, and not even somewhere in the middle, um, because even despite the familiarity, to your point, 
everywhere you go, it's like, oh, that's different. That's new. That's cool. And I think that makes re- revisiting these locations um, post, you know, Breath of the Wild, yeah. really fascinating and part of the um, the environmental storytelling itself that yeah. leads into yeah. the actual narrative. If that makes sense, that's a good point. <clears throat> you know, how how dope is that tower mechanic though? It's and, so and, cool, and dude. The, it's like, wow, like that. they they fu- they figured out how to do a tower f- to get the rest of the map, and it's so fun. Every time I see them, I'm like, yeah, it's so best awesome. towers, they really best towers in any game ever for like map like yeah, yeah. things. They fucking killed that shit. That's amazing. When they did it, I was like. Oh my god! Yeah, this is like really dope. <laughs> yeah, yep. Uh, that is a th- that might go in our anything goes uh, yeah, category yeah, yeah, for, yeah. for the year. Um, Pablo, let's keep the show rolling here. Let's talk about the next topic, which is I think where we might have a little bit of s- some interesting takes here. Uh, okay. Buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. But let's talk about the pacing and the flow of Tears of the Kingdom. How would you, Pablo, best describe? the overall pacing of the game so far as you've experienced it. And do you like it the way it is? Why or why not? It's a tale of two stories for me. Uh, in Breath of the Wild, the Great Plateau felt fun. It felt like a, a it felt like an experience like, okay, I'm getting used to the game. And, and, I, and I really enjoyed my time there. I felt like I learned a lot there. Once I got off the plateau, I'm like, it didn't feel like, uh, it didn't feel like I just went to work. Unfortunately, it doesn't kind of feel like that for the Great Sky Island or whatever they call it. I found it to be that portion to be too long. I found it to be a, a little intense and at times slightly frustrating. Uh, they throw a lot at you, uh, and it got pretty. I got pretty annoyed really fast. But as soon as you do hit the ground, the flow and pacing of the game is up to you. Most of it, but once you hit the ground, you have the ability to streamline to do what you need to do. That gives you these options that feel liberating, so you don't feel like claustrophobic, and that's not how you want to feel. But the the beginning of the game, I would say, is my least favorite part of this game. And and Ocarina Zelda games do tend to uh, suffer from opening areas. You know, uh, they're not the most fun or even the most representative of the entire game. Ocarina of Time is a, a popular one. Uh, the, the Twilight Princess has another one. Yep. It's just areas where it's kind of like, I, I kind of am done with this. I want to go into what the rest of the game will be. And this is no different. I, I mean, like I said, tell two stories. I think that the first part of it was just way too much it did too much i did it asked you to do three shrines i did it i went to the thing and it asked you to do the fourth one i was like oh i just that was so annoyed i just wanted it to be over Dude, i got I a little didn't know lost where in, the in fuck the they were showing me to go i thought it was like i thought i had to get out of there and dive down into one of those like little islands and it was in one of those spots because the map wasn't very they, specific and then i realized later i had that i'm like oh it's right there and i got to do the rewind bullshit oh my god it was so it was, yeah. I have that in my my surprises. We'll get to that where it's like the fucking map sucks. Like the map is good, but like the pinpointing yes, of where to 100%. go, it's not good. Hundred percent. It's not good at all. But in anyway, early on, imagine you're not too familiar with the mechanic. You're getting used to it. The brand, it's a new game. You know, you're still trying to get uh, trying to get your hands around it to see exactly how it all works. And then all this is being thrown at you. There's a cold section again, but this cold section is massive. Oh. I don't know where the I don't know where the map was. I didn't have enough resources. I kept freezing my ass off. I was like, I I need. I literally that's when I had to take a break. I was like, I I just can't do it. I've, it was all there. It was easy. I should have seen it, but I didn't. And the point is, is that the game frustrated me. Yeah. 
and it shouldn't have frustrated me to three hours in, four hours in. And it's weird that I'm not hearing that a lot uh, uh, in, in reviews and when people are talking about it. A lot of people are like, oh, I love that opening area. I think visually I thought it was amazing, but in terms of everything else, it was it was a little too much for me. But, you know, to, to answer the second part, yeah, the pacing and all that, I think it's good. I, I think if, if you, once you get to the, to the ground floor, once you reach those objectives, if you want to play it that way, I think the way that they ramp you up to the final part of that section, they do a really good job with that stuff. But it's like a tale of two stories, man. Yeah, I mean, the, the tutorial portion, I, I fully agree. I think there was some, probably the biggest errors of this game so far exist in that yeah. tutorial island. Um, I think, to your point, it's, you're trying to retain so much. You're also wrestling with the honeymoon phase of like, oh shit, I'm playing the next Zelda. You know, so there's the emotional yeah, yeah, yeah. rush. And then you crash down to earth with this like exceeding frustration that just kind of gets worse and worse and worse. And when you finally get to that snow area, it's for me, it was like, what the fuck did you expect me to figure out on my own at this point? You know, like I'm still trying to learn your <laughs> mechanics and I'm in, and, and now, and then you do that, you finally get done with that and you think, okay, the worst is over. Then you got it. Like I had, I had no idea how to get on those fucking gliders and, and, and work that at all. So I'm just running around like a fucking idiot, picking them up with the, you know, with the ultra hand, putting it down, trying to, and finally I just, you know, threw it off the, the ledge and I just tried to, to a leap of faith. I landed on it somehow and I made it down there. I'm like, okay, here we go. I'm not even sure if that's the right See, way to do it. Um, you want me to tell you how the right way to do what it is? What is it? Use rewind. I'm going to punch so Onuma in the you throat. Put, what? You use, uh, you use, um, you use underhand to slide it off. And then let it go down, and it comes back up. And then use rewind. You step Fuck on it, and it'll slide. You. <laughs> Fuck you! How would I? That's what I mean. Like that early on in the game, I'm still trying to wrap my meek little mind around these, okay. these mechanics. You know how, and you're 100. You're right. You know how I figured it out? You too. I fucked up, and no, no, no. I fucked up. I fucked up with something, and I did something, and I and it slid, and then I hit the rewind feature, and it came back exactly the way it slid, and I'm like, oh, so if I slide it off, but it was a complete mistake. Like I, they, it just I was holding the button down because I was still getting used to it. Uh, I was like, oh my god, I agree with Crazy. you, man. I do agree. With you. I guess that's the discoverability of the entire game. The difference in how we did it. I did it that way. You just jumped off of it. That's the beauty of the game, in an essence, where it's like there's no mm. wrong way of doing it, but. It's frustrating, especially when you don't have those mechanics under your belt. Yeah, see that—that's where I get. I mean, maybe I'm playing semantics here, but when I when I hear that's the beauty of the game, I I just cringe inside because I think that's just that's just not. If if this is a tutorial area, then don't try to stump me right now. Teach me, you know, teach me, and then yeah. and then put me down on 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 solid ground and high rule, and then I'll you know I'll hit my head against the wall there. But yeah, I'm not looking for. A mental puzzle right now. I just want you to show me how to do what I need to do as a tutorial island or place should, and then I'm good to go. So I think there was a missed opportunity there. Now let me let me kind of transition into my overall thoughts about pacing so far. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, take this for what you will. Uh, for those of you in, in in you know, I'm somebody who's had some gripes with Breath of the Wild for the same reasons. Full disclosure, I feel like the pace of this game is kind of stuck in neutral. Um, and depending on how you look at it, that's not a bad thing. Uh, but it, it's also not a great thing for people like me. Um, I would never accuse this game of ever being exciting <laughs> to me. It's just not, um, I think it is, per, it, it kind of stays in one frequency. 
uh, if that makes sense, throughout the entire time uh, that I played it so far. It never gets too boring. It never gets too exciting. It's just kind of hovering in this weird middle area. Um, it's like going down a slope in a car in neutral. You'll get to the bottom of that slope, but you kind of wish you maybe could have hit the gas a little bit and made it more of an experience to get there. And I just feel like this game just never quite seems to kick into gear um, when it comes to the core gameplay loop for me. Um, I think, you know, adding to that, I think the shrines are, they're not hard, but I think they're still kind of a drag for me in the same ways that they were in Breath of the Wild. I know I'm either going to be in for a brain teaser or some kind of like combat room type of deal. And that's more or less exactly what I got here. I also am a little annoyed that it's still the do four shrines to get one upgrade to your health or stamina. I feel like that yeah. just feels really grindy um, and it feels like it just takes forever and it, all, it, it always happens when you need that last shrine. Like, now I can't fucking find one. Cool. You know, like, I don't know why that always happens. Uh, maybe that's just my life. But I, I think, um, you know, again, I, I'm not going to accuse this game of being super exciting, but I do think that I like that it is content with, with its even-keeled pace. I just think sometimes I want it to... Just give me a little bit more bombast sometimes, and I'll and I'll be a happy camper. But it just doesn't seem to want to do that very often. And um, you know, again, depending on your taste, depending on your preferences, you might not mind that. For me, it can be a little occasionally grating at times. Um, last thing I'll say, and I said this to Pablo. Here's another one of my weird comparisons. A little bit of Death Stranding in this for me. A little bit um, in the way that you kind of have to. Think creatively through the use of Ultra Hand to forge your own path. Uh, think creatively around how to get from point A to point B sometimes, much in the same way that you kind of do in Death Stranding with like setting up ladders, ropes, bridges, except obviously, unlike Death Stranding, there's no online component where the community is kind of building together. It's really just you doing it yourself. Um, similar kind of feeling here. Um, it's interesting because it's that same feeling of desolation and kind of isolation at times, which I do appreciate from the pacing standpoint. Um, but then again... The Papa Roach song? Uh, what, is that what it is? Papa Roach? I like Papa no. Roach. I, maybe I know that one. Um, but no, it, just, it just sounded like something he would sing. Yeah, but I mean, you know, but then again, it also can be a little grating at times to the point where I want to cut my life into pieces. Uh, but Pablo, <laughs> let's, go, let's go ahead. You fucked up. You, <laughs> let's go ahead and uh, let's move into the next aspect of this one, Pablo. Um, maybe this one's more of a pleasant surprise for you and me, but let's talk about the technical aspect of this game, Pablo, especially since this is one of the Switch's swan song titles. Um, how do you feel about the visuals and performance? Does it look and run respectably on this aging hardware, or does it suffer too much? I mean, obviously it suffers. We All games on Switch suffer, but does it yeah, suffer yeah. too much in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not a game developer, so I don't know the technical term, but I believe it's Voodoo Black Nintendo Magic oh. is what this game is running on. Uh, look, it runs relatively well, really good with some slowdown spots for sure, but it is ultimately for me, it just it looks great. Uh, pop in textures do happen, but it varies. Large landmarks and areas don't don't really pop in, but rather things like rocks and shrubbery do pop in here and there. Uh, and every so often, the loading takes a little longer than it should if you die or if you go into another area. It's it just unfortunately some things happen like that. But the game visually is an 
is absolutely beautiful. I think the game looks sharper, more uh, painterly even than Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. There are moments I find myself literally in awe of my surroundings, just how beautiful it looks. The sun is coming down. It's in the twilight hours. It's like a tinge of orange. It's amazing. It really is to look at. And, and stuff like the tech from jumping from the sky to the ground, like that shit is fucking crazy, man. It, it, the fact that it's seamless uh, and you're just going from the top of the sky all the way down into the 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 world itself and then that as you get lo- lower to the ground it gets bigger and bigger and you you start seeing landmarks and it, it it just it's obviously not a perfect game when it comes to technical performance but it just doesn't feel like this is the same console that ran uh the Pokemon games from last year, you know, like it doesn't feel like the the Bayonetta game from from uh, from last year as well. It just feels like a whole different kind of console, and it's not. It's the same thing, but you know, Nintendo, you know, their first party developers are R and D. They know what they're doing with this. They they know exactly what they need to do to make this game run the way it runs and look the way it looks. We were worried, man. I was worried that, you know, this game would, would suffer the same fate as, as Pokemon Scarlet and, and, and again, Bayonetta 3, which, you know, it's a game that looked absolutely atrocious, at least in my opinion. And then have this game have so many things going for it, uh, technical things, uh, you know, when it comes to Ultra Hand and then the, the sky portion, the, 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 Hyrule and other stuff that I won't spoil. Just the fact that it packs all of that shit, man, and it runs at a pretty smooth thirty. Definitely dips. Oh yeah, definitely dips. Yeah. But still pretty smooth and just visually astounding at times. It really just is like uh, it's the best looking game on Switch, in my opinion. I, I think now. I think that it's taking the title at this point. Um, but yeah, man, how do you feel? Um. I could agree with that. I mean, I'd probably throw Metroid Prime Remastered in there. That game just looks insane, and it's 60 frames per second, too. But it's a different art style, obviously, yeah. so it's a bit... But also... It's subjective. Yeah, yeah, but it's subjective. But also, just the sheer ambition of this game compared to that, like... Oh, you know, of course. There's no ha- comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no comparison. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I am really astounded at how... Um, how amazing this game looks artistically and even just in terms of pure fidelity. Um, the Sky Islands are okay. You were kind of right. Pablo was like, the Sky Islands look cool, but when you get down to Hyrule, it's like significantly better looking. And he yeah. was absolutely right. For some reason, there's just a better resolution or some kind of thing is going on. It's that yellowness, the tinge up yeah, there that, that, that kind of washes and out the cloudiness the game up bit. there too kind of just makes everything sort of yeah. look a little, little smeary. Um, but yeah. yeah, Hyrule looks awesome. Um, the draw distance, such a specific thing to, to talk about, but fuck's sake, it is so, it's such good draw distance that not only is it shocking that they're pulling this off on the switch, but it makes other games that are open world that have draw, draw distance issues look like they don't give a fuck about that game at all for making them so poor. Like I like, you know how like in Sonic, the, the new Sonic game that came out, like the pop in was just like, here's something 20 feet ahead of you that just appeared out of the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, out of yeah. the ether. And this game is like, no, we we're like, you can still see all the sky islands up there. Like all, all of them. Yeah. Um, that is astonishing to me. Um, minimal performance issues. You, you'll notice it when you're using ultra hand, you, you'll notice it when you're on horseback, um, running through, you know, certain areas for sure, but nothing that will outright, you know, tank your, <laughs> your, your, your console or anything like that. I mean, it'll go down to probably like the, like 
low twenties, but only for a short period of time. It's nothing. It's nothing yeah. it, for a frame rate guy. I could say even I'm not that bothered. Um, but Pablo is right. Ultimately, the art style does shine the most here, and that's really. <laughs> It's really interesting because the, the art style is, is not all that different than Breath of the Wild, but yet it is. No. You yeah. know, there's something a little bit more um, steampunk-like uh, with certain aspects of it. Like the towers have a very like cartoony-looking steampunk sort of style to them. Um, I also think that some of the DIY stuff gives it a very rustic kind of look at times, too. It's a lot of logs, and it's a lot of wooden planks and shit, so I think that can kind of give the aesthetic a little bit of a rustic feel. Um, and I, I think that the, the color use is immaculate. Yeah. Um, if it, Color theory is like, man, I wish more games really paid attention to that shit. Zelda is, is one of the rare games that I've ever played um, in, in modern era um, where... Like the color use is just extraordinary. Um, it's not just, it's not just you know like the the typical Nintendo thing. Vibrant colors, you know, bright ass red, bright ass yellow. It's it's very like subdued, but it all just flows so well together that it has that to your point that painterly look yep. to it, where it's like you just want to screenshot everything. Like I have like yep. 20, 20 or twenty five different screenshots of of that game on my Switch right now, and I'm like, oh my god, all these could be wallpapers. Um, it is, it is that, it is that impressive. So I have to say that is probably, if it wasn't a category of its own, this would probably be in my surprises section, but you know, technically speaking, yeah, I have, I have very little complaints, uh, to say about this game. Um, and it, it, you know, it, I hope that the next Nintendo console has a next gen upgrade for this. Cause I'd love to see it at 60 frames. I'd love to yeah. see it at better resolution, but even now as is, it's still, Really, really incredible to see what they've been able to pull off. Thank you, Monolith Soft, by the way, for for helping out. Oh yeah, they, yeah. Apparently, uh, I was reading some stuff about it. Apparently, they were really hands on. Uh, so, which obviously makes a lot of sense if anybody plays Xenoblade Chronicles Three. What that game was able nuts. to accomplish in terms of is nuts. It's on par yeah. with 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 uh, with Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, I, I think Tears of the Kingdom is a much more beautiful game. But I mean, just the sheer amount of things that you can do in that game, the verticality of that game, they really brought that here to Tears of the Kingdom. So they're fucking killing that. <laughs> God <laughs> Almighty. Stupid. All right, here is the wild card section of this conversation, Pablo. Is there anything unexpected about Tears of the Kingdom that has taken you by surprise in a good or bad way, and why? Yes and no. I think I've mentioned a lot of them. Obviously, like I agree with you. The visually, like I wasn't expecting the art design to to just execute on the technicality of it in such a way that was fucking jaw-dropping. I didn't expect that. Uh, I did bring this up, but this is also something that is prevalent throughout, is that sometimes the weather survival elements are a little too harsh. Uh, I find myself in these cold environments with zero ingredients to make any meal to keep me warm. There is some outfits that I can buy, but they're way too much rupees uh, in terms of like affordability so that that's there so it's obviously am i in the wrong place and then i go somewhere else and it's like this is kind of the same thing so you know it, it's 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 a little it's it's an annoyance at this point because you know finding the right ingredients sure i just go somewhere where i know those ingredients are i find them then i go back i cook them i make them i eat them sure but it's just i i don't remember ever and this already happened to me twice. I don't remember ever having this issue in Breath of the Wild where, there, yes, there was two hot areas and there was areas that were too cold, but there was always 
something nearby that's going to help me fix that, you know, or help me like uh, overcome that. And I feel like in Tears of the Kingdom, there's less of that around. I feel like the difficulty in this game is not in the combat. It's kind of like in the traversal, figuring out where to go. And also, they kind of layer that with the um, with the cold stuff. Like I, it's a, like it's I a survival about, game. I think about like my uh, my nephew who loved this loves this game, and I wonder like I'm not saying he's a dummy, but like what is he gonna do when it gets to that area? Like I was struggling through that, so I wonder how much of that we're able gonna you know he's able gonna to endure. So I was surprised by how how that was. Um, also, uh, something that caught me off guard that I already talked about the landmarking, the way that where the landmarks are and 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 where things are. Uh, like, oh, go here. And when you go there, that mark is not anywhere near the objective. That shit sucks. And obviously, it's a game that you explore, but there are landmarks. It isn't Elden Ring. There, there are places you go that are on your quest log to go to. And once you get there, it's kind of like, um, what? Like, it's really hard to get there. And, and again, yes, but you're supposed to explore. And listen, there's like 90% of that map that I can fucking explore. But if I'm in the area where I'm going to do an objective, I would want some really, I would like a sure fire way or some kind of mechanic or something to tell me exactly where I need to go. I, I, if I want to explore, give me the ability to do that. If I want to do an objective, make sure it's a little bit more, it's better uh, placed within that map. And unfortunately, I'm finding that even through the objectives, I have to trial and error my way through climbing here, there, just to get to the story, uh, the main quest story objective of that next thing. And that's a little frustrating. And I, and I again, didn't get that from Breath of the Wild too much. So it's a little bit weird uh, here for me. Um, yeah, it- I actually remember uh, something pretty early game um, where there's like a military camp set up in front of the castle and you have to go in to find like the leader of like a search party or something. Great example. And there's a giant fucking gated door right there. And you're like, well, this is going to open and I'm just going to go right through and you can't. And it's like, what the, what the fuck? Like, what do I do? I can't climb the door. I don't know, like, there's no, doesn't seem like there's, like, a ledge to drop down to. I had to, like, hug the side of, like, the door because there's, yeah. like, a little bit of, like, concrete of a lip there. And I just, like, shimmied over. And I'm like, that was fucking weird. Why didn't, how did they get in? <laughs> like, if I can't get in. <laughs> so there's little moments like that where I'd agree it, it is a little weird. Um, here's what, okay, let me, let me say a positive. The soundtrack. I think that's an incredible score. Not only uh, do I love the instrumentation, I also love that they pull it away and leave you in ambience, and then they sprinkle it back in. So much, yeah. It's so delicately done and just neatly woven into the experience. It, I, I, That's one thing I wish more people were talking about, to be honest with you. I think it's just incredible. Um, I think it's far and away better than Breath of the Wild score from what I've heard so far. Um, I love the main theme as well. I think it's insanely good. Um, and I love that, uh, there's just little touches like that throughout your experience. Um, and it feels like it's perfectly timed. Got to give them credit for that. Negative surprises. Um, all right. Pablo's going to fight me on some of these. I know it's coming. Wait, before you, before you get to that, okay, I would okay. say my surprises, um, all sound a negative is because I'm a super fan of Zelda. And anytime this game is doing something bad, I'm like, no, <laughs> no, 
Well, that's so, good. At least you're not, I'm not apo- an, an apologist. I, I, I appreciate yeah. the lack of a, like, yeah. well, actually energy with a lot of Zelda fans. No, like, I'm not surprised. Yeah. When the game does good, I'm not surprised that it's good because it's what I expected. The, the music, I agree. Uh, I think the only person I hear talked about it was ACG when he said that it felt like someone was following you around with the, with an orchestra. Mm. And so every time you did one thing, like... Somebody strikes one note because they leave you in silence for so long, and then you reach this point. All of a sudden, like a a, a musical tinge happens. You're like, oh, oh shit, I yeah. forgot about the music. Yeah. yeah, so they do a good job with that. But yeah, um, go ahead. What are your negatives? Um, I'll try not to fight you. Hold on to your butt cheeks. Um, I have two pretty big ones. One, well, one is one is maybe more of a me thing, but I, I am hearing a lot of people talk about it more now. Uh, and one is maybe a more of a hot take. Um. I'm surprised that there is still a lack of a meaningful reward loop in the, in this game. Uh, um, yeah. I do feel like most of the chests in the game so far, so far, so far, so far, so far, um, lack unique rewards. Um, and I think that the game also, to that point, really struggles with providing anything in those treasure chests that are any more unique than what you can readily find out in the world anyway, right? So I can find arrows pretty easily scattered throughout the world, but this treasure box gives you five of them. Cool, you know? And I think that there's a real lack of creativity in maybe, like, find give me an accessory, something I can put on. Let's say, like, an armlet that increases attack speed or gives you some kind of buff or something like that that you can actually equip outside of just your regular clothes or things like that that kind of are more difference makers than finding like, uh, here's some opal or amber. Uh, congratulations for, you know, coming all the way over here to get this chest. Like, I think that that can be a little deflating. Obviously, if you follow me on my personal Twitter account at I am render, I posted a little video of me pulling a really snazzy, the most well-designed treasure chest of all time, pearly white color, gold trim. Ah, beautiful open it up there's one rupee inside you know so things like that i think i i feel like are missed opportunities i don't expect to open a chest and find a million rupees inside but i wish that there were more finds in that game that kind of meant more that have more meaning to them uh in comparison to what you typically find in most most cases again i know there's exceptions i know there's things you'll stumble upon that are cool and i know i've only played a couple hours and i haven't found them all yet but i think that again there has to be some kind of of constant incentive to want to keep finding them and finding one rupee in a chest does kind of suck and it does take the wind out of my sails a little bit now, okay, I, just quick counters here. The first one isn't an excuse at all. Uh, it's just kind of like what what to expect. Unfortunately, this is like a thing that always happens in Zelda games where there's a lot of chests that you open and then there's just like five rupees or basically nothing too important. Yeah. The thing with this game is, and, and, and the same with Breath of the Wild, is like there's so many treasure chests and... They're not procedurally generated. They're they're done purposefully, and so, you know, I think that I agree with you. I, I, here's the thing, though, Marco, and here's kind of like where I'm at with with the whole argument. It's like, so if the chest didn't exist, this wouldn't be an issue. You know what I mean? But the fact that they're there, I guess, because it is that you have to comment on it. But for me, ultimately, I just felt like 
you do get cool shit, like you said. You haven't played uh, as many hours yet, and so you're still going through it, through it. But it's just like 65, 70 percent of the game is the opening chest. It can't all be cool shit. So yeah, but I mean, I, 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 I guess that's it. part of my problem. Then is if if there's so many chests everywhere, then maybe that's the issue of kind of watering them down by making them so commonplace that they, you can't you can't you can't realistically design everything to be have something cool inside then right if you think about like elden ring as a counterpoint to this right and this is a very different game i understand that but when you open up things in that game even if you find something that doesn't necessarily work for your build you know that there's something interesting about that weapon that may not work for your playthrough now but may intrigue you to maybe try a different build in the future, or it's an it's an interesting kind of thing that you don't know how it works. It, it's a little it has a little bit of mystique to it. Whereas this, I feel like, is very straightforward. Oh, here's another resource you can use. Um, oh, here's something that you can craft with this thing to make an elixir. And that's you know, is it usable? Yes, but is that necessarily going to get the juices flowing? A lot of times, it's not. Um, ultimately, is that going to kill my interest in exploring the game? No, but I guess the fact that my expectations have to be so tempered down to the point where now I'm like, I might get one rupee. <laughs> that yeah, that's yeah. a even I, I think even you would have to admit that's kind of an extreme. That's like, damn, that that's that is kind of dumb. Um, but again, not a deal breaker, but it is a surprise that I wish they would have maybe thought a little bit more creatively around solution uh, solutions for that. The bigger problem I have though, Pablo, that I'm surprised about, and this is very spicy. Maybe I don't know, but to me, I think it's probably spicy. I feel like this game is oddly hollow. Um, and I know I'm going to ask for something that's very trite and very stereotypical of open world games, but I really feel like the the lack of a skill or ability or XP system or, or really any kind of character progression at all makes this game feel very much like it plateaus early. Um, the same ha-ha-ha-ha-ya moves that you do in the beginning of the game is what you do at the end of the game. You know, you really don't learn new abilities. You don't learn new combos as you get through the game. Um, you don't pick up, you know how in God of War Ragnarok you pick up these like abilities that are tied to certain weapons, like you do this swirly move and blah, blah, blah. There's, there's nothing like that at all in this game. So combat is very straightforward. There is nothing that you level up to. There's nothing you're working towards. You're just kind of fighting for the sake of fighting. And that that makes combat feel very unbeneficial to the player because it lacks incentive. You know, like, yeah, it's cool that I made it through a dungeon. I killed this really crazy boss. I picked up a couple of resources, but my Link is no better or worse off than he was before he walked in that cave, right? Whereas if you play, I, I keep hearkening back to Elden Ring here, which is probably going to get on people's nerves, but if you go to an Elden Ring, or any other game for that matter, and you kill an enemy, you get something from that that chips away at something, right? So if the only character progression you get out of Zelda is by going to shrines and getting more hearts or more stamina, I just feel like that's not enough. Um, and well. it, w- it will be enough for some people who don't necessarily want leveling systems and ability trees and all things like that because i get it it's very cliche and it's very overdone in the in this in this era we're in now but i i think there's a hollowness that i'm struggling with too where i just don't feel like there's any reason to engage in combat if i don't have to because i get nothing from it i just all i do is i all i do is i lose resources and i'll pick up resources so it's really just always a break even for me yeah but that's kind of like 
Yeah, I get it, but it's also like every Ziggle Zelda game to have ever come out, it's this exactly. Well, that's why the, I have the, a grudge the with the series. System, it's just, it just feels yeah. like inconsequential. It's all about your... Completely inconsequential. Yeah, it's a, well, it's not completely consequential because what you use, you use your, for example, in in in, um, in of Time, you, the, the hook shot comes into play. And so you use these things that come into Ultra Hand, uh, Rewind, all those features. Uh, you could use them in combat if you wanted to, sure. But, I mean, it's more about the, the, the auxiliary uh, moveset than the actual fighting of it all. So, I mean, I get what you mean, but, I mean, at the end of the day, for me... Um, I, that's not a th- that's not a thing that I would want. I wouldn't want to upgrade my link. I wouldn't want to, you know, you want no character maybe progression learn at all. Moves, but I, it's always been. I mean, it's all about the the weapons that you, especially now, the weapons you fuse. And it's all about the outfits you wear. Those that gives you the the more life, the the stronger this, the 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 better, the stronger attack. Those things are attached to that. I just don't want anything to do with leveling up link strength or dexterity or anything like that i just it that that to me isn't really like why i come to these games especially not games like breath of the wild or tears of the kingdom uh, it's more about the exploration of it all so uh, that's why i appreciate elden ring so much because elden ring is definitely that plus a little bit of the discovery stuff of of, of breath of the wild and so you know that's a different those two games are very different in that way but in terms of how I like my games and my Zelda games, I, I don't find anything about the combat system to be like hollow to me. It it just it just feels the way it's always felt to me. Well, um, I, I guess that's my but, critique though. Is like we 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 kind of go back and forth when we talk about this game and Breath of the Wild being so innovative and so groundbreaking for Zelda, and then we also double back and talk about well, that's what Zelda's always been in certain cases too. Like. I feel like we kind of we, oh. we kind of go back and forth depending on what's con- most convenient for Zelda's image. Uh, I, sometimes, I mean, I think you can be generalistic when you talk about Breath of the Wild is 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 influential. It's influential because of certain things. Nobody's gonna say in the right mind should say that Zelda re- revolutionized combat in video games because that's not at all what happened. But it definitely revolutionized the open world and discoverability and how you approach things uh, in a certain way. But you know, I, I think you have to, when you when you say lofty things like this revolutionized. The the genre you have to be specific because it's not it's not always going to be everything so you know i i think that we you can have your gripes about how zelda can how zelda you know the lack of progression sure you're that's that's your that's your prerogative like that's how you like to play your games and i totally understandable and me coming from as, as a long time zelda fan maybe i'm indoctrinated into the whole kind of like well that's just the way it is and that and that's mm-hmm. fine but i'm not gonna sit here and tell you that breath of the wild nor tears of the kingdom is revolutionizing the genre when it comes to combat absolutely fucking not it's it's yeah. it's not doing that at maybe all that's, but, maybe that's where but, my gripe is then uh is is i wish they would try to revolutionize combat a little bit more in the series maybe that's what this is i think they've i think yeah, they've that, nailed that, exploration in sandbox pretty well but i feel like Combat feels like the thing that feels the, the creakiest to me. Yeah, but that's a, for me, that'd be like a little unfair to be like, it's like, what have you done for me lately kind of thing where it's like, yeah, you revolutionized Sandbox, big fucking deal, you know, but I know what you mean. It's just, you have high expectations for these, well, for this dev team who's, who's done well, great Well, here's things. the thing, though. I mean, event, I mean, look, in terms of what they're doing, in terms of their vision with, Bre- with, uh, with Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, I think mm-hmm. they've, I think they've kind of maxed out, like... This is incredible stuff that they've done when it comes to exploration and sandbox. And I think they've, I think they hit the nail on the head. Even though I have my gripes, you have your gripes. I what I what I guess I'm saying is that from here on, if whatever whatever oh, right. the next game after this is, which probably I I would imagine maybe isn't a sequel to this thing. Maybe it's a trilogy. No, 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 I have no I, idea. 
There's no, there's no, there's no way. I'd be shocked, and it's going to be a long time. So yeah. whatever they do next, I I would hope that okay, they had their era of sandbox. I want there to be an era for Zelda for combat. That's what I really hope for, because I think that is what I feel needs the most love at this stage of the game. Um, it, it's passable yeah. here. I'm not saying it's bad. I don't say. I'm not saying combat doesn't yeah, yeah. feel good. Like it feels. You know, combat field. I wish the enemy AI was a little bit smarter, but it doesn't feel bad oh, to fight. It's, bad. it's just that I wish that there was more diversity and more reward for actually engaging. Where I feel like I just feel a little like, okay, cool. I just broke three weapons, and my shield is about to break too. And but I got a couple other little resources, so I'm kind of like breaking even, and I don't feel like I really move the needle for myself well, at all. My my link is no better after that fight than before that fight. So. Well, yeah, I get that, but I will say I think Tears of the Kingdom for me, especially as as, as the more I played, has done more when it comes to combat with when you would for the fuse stuff, like fusing certain things to your shield, the certain things that you weren't a- unable to do before, uh, like confusion, confusing people if you attach a mirror to it, uh, and certain things that certain weapons do that wouldn't have done that otherwise, and even moves that are, are come with weapons that you kind of attach to to the um, to the Zonai devices or anything like that, so. Mm-hmm. There's they're, they're doing more. It's still basic as shit, sure. Uh, but yeah, I'm, that's a good that's a good thing too. I wonder where they go from here because they 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 uh, they revolution. And I'll talk about when it comes to that conversation in the next point here um, about the revolutionizing of a genre and how I feel about how that applies to Tears of the Kingdom here in a second. Gotcha. But you know they they've done a lot in this genre. So I, if the next game that comes out is a focus on combat and something else, I think that'd be dope too. I mean, like, I, as long as they keep the essence of Zelda uh, of the games, which they've been able to do no matter what they've done, mm-hmm. I, I have full confidence that whatever they do next might not be as revolutionary. But if it's still good, that's great. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's move into our last two topics, which should go, uh, should go by pretty quickly here. Um, Pablo, after everything we've discussed, pick the answer that best suits your experience so far, and briefly tell us why. Tears of the Kingdom is A, falling short of your expectations, B, meeting your expectations, C, surpassing your expectations, or D, shattering your expectations. Yeah, as it stands right now, in terms of where I'm at, I think I'm at C, which is surpassing uh, expectations. Uh, It's interesting because I would say Breath of the Wild is very influential. Many games have copied it, uh, art style, trying to emulate the sense of discovery, Elden Ring being like the one example of a good version of that. The physics and the sense of that approach with, um, with Tears of the Kingdom makes it where... They've perfected that formula for Breath of the Wild, but I don't feel that Tears of the Kingdom so far is as revolutionary as Breath of the Wild because obviously the Breath of the Wild is the first of its kind, and then this game is coming in and working miracles within the context of something that already exists. So they've made that game better, but it isn't revolution. Like the next person who makes a breath of, a, a game that's like Breath of the Wild, the main thing they'll still be doing is what Breath of the Wild has always done. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They're not going to yeah. jump into the physics part of it, pro- most likely not. So when it comes to that, what was I expect- expecting as a, a Zelda fan? I was expecting my expectations to be absolutely shattered. I would feel the only fair way to say that to be true is if it surpasses Breath of the Wild, not only in its gameplay and its story, which is doing that, 
but also in its viability within the genre as how it's seen in terms of how it's shaken the genre, how it's revolutionized, changed. Um, and I don't think that Tears of the Kingdom, many will say that, but that's a redundant argument because you can just say the same thing about Breath of the Wild. So that's why I'm at C right now for that. Okay. Yeah, I am at B, meeting your expectations. And I, I say that kind of for better and for worse uh, with this game. I think that a lot of the things that I was kind of hoping it would not be, um, it is when you think about like the shrine stuff and, you know, um, the abundance of encouragement the game gives you to really try to craft your way in, in through things. And, um, and I, the pacing, I think is another one that I kind of, I saw it coming. I'm like, this is probably going to be another neutral kind of feeling game. And it is. So I think it is, in good and bad ways, predictable. Now, there are some things that, you know, again, have taken me aback um, for the good and for the bad, but I think that's sort of why I feel like it's it's right where I expected it to be for me, you know? And, and yeah. again, there's also the Zelda skeptic in me, right? And, and that wasn't hyperbole at the start of the show. I've always had a skeptical uh, side of myself towards Zelda, Um and it, and it always comes through because I, I do feel like this game for as, as good as it is, I always fear that it's going to f- succumb to the same pitfalls as many of the others in the series, particularly with the narrative, uh, particularly with voice acting, which is God awful. Um, yep. And, you know, also with, um, you know, just like I said a little while ago, the feeling of rewarding your efforts and, and your link bet being a better character the more that you do in the game. Um, I, I feel like those things sort of leave me feeling a bit bummed, but then I get in these these one hour, two hour pockets where I'm fucking locked in and I'm like, I don't want to put this down for anything. Um, yeah. So there's always that weird trade-off of like, man, it it's bittersweet, but I I still really really enjoy doing this, and and I guess I I feel very much the same beat by beat as I felt playing Breath of the Wild so far. Uh, maybe a little bit more liking Tears of the Kingdom more right now, um, but. As far as answering the question, I think it's it's simply meeting the expectations right now. But I think, as Pablo would probably agree, these are both subject to change in terms of our answers. The more we go into yeah. the game, could go up, could go down, you never know. Yeah. But we'll we'll see how it lands. One thing for sure is that there is no game that's for everybody. There isn't. There's no one single game that exists that's for everybody. Uh, and you know, you're gonna. I mean, look, Horizon. Horizon series is is one for me where it's like people swear by it, but I just can't get into it no matter what I do. So I, I get it. I, I don't think I don't think anything that you said today is ludicrous when yeah. it comes to, to Zelda. I think they're very it's very fair and coming from a person who's a skeptic when it comes to the series, just based on certain things that other other games have done better. I think it's perfectly fair. But yeah, yeah and, uh, I definitely get and that. it's also the best game with the word kingdom in it that's ever been created. <laughs> Um, sorry, Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> fuck you. Um, let's go to the last question here. That just bothered a few people. Uh, let's just talk real quick. The, 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 the critical it's consensus terrible. here uh, before we lose followers. Uh, real quick, Pablo, what's your take on the reviews for Tears of the Kingdom? As you know, it's at a 97% on Open Critic, three points away from being perfect. Uh, I was 
obviously yeah. the correct prediction there. I took a big risk. I was about to say, it's like, talk about meet expectations. He's a perfect 97, 97. I went for it. I should have, I could have went below you and I, I could have played the game a little bit more, but I'm like, I feel like it's going to get a 97. I was right. Um, but anyway, do you think that this score is justified? And is there anything reviews have said that you vehemently disagree with from what you've looked at? Uh, yeah, no, I think that the reviews are pretty spot on. I think that, you know, when it comes to aggregates and, and looking at the 97% or 90% uh, of the game, really all that means is that most people who played it, everybody who played it, uh, pretty much liked it. And I think that's fair. I think that's, I think even when Marco here ha- had a lot of things to say that might not, some other uh, fans are like screaming, still screaming at the damn, oh, I know, you know, I know. podcast war, but but ultimately, I think he's still saying, you know, great things about it. I mean, when you look at the lowest score here on Open Critic, it's by Eurogamer, which they gave it a four out of five star, and the entire review is an absolute them just like kind of gushing over the game itself, you know. So yeah, I think it's perfectly fair based on the fact that it is a very good game that appeals to a lot of people, and a lot of people are liking it. And based on that alone, I think that the ninety-seven is super fair. Um, I have not seen anybody say anything egregious, um, at least for me, uh, in both ways, honestly. I, I, I have, I, I know people like to throw away the revol- like I said, the, the series or uh, revolutionize the genre. I actually, actually haven't read a lot of that. The, the, I've seen a lot of the series, like they've changed the series forever. I seen which I agree with that. Yeah, I agree too. But um, yeah, man, I, I, I think it's, I think the, the score is pretty, I think that's pretty spot on. I, I think that's where I had, my prediction was 96. I was trying to play the game a little bit, but, you know, I, I, I definitely think that, uh, that is a pretty accurate score. This is the game that I would recommend to anybody with a Switch. Uh, and so I, yeah. I'm I'm good with it. I don't think anything about the the reviews or the score itself is egregious in any way. Um, three points away from perfect. I I don't know if I see that for this game. But remember, it's an aggregate. I know. So I know. It's just I, like I, I know. if everybody that, gave it a four out I know. of five, it's I, like you know. Yeah, I, I totally understand. I think that's just how my brain looks at it in in that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that the quality of work here is you know. It's totally deserved. Um, it, it would have been shocking if it had been anything less than a 95, in my opinion. Straight up. That's so weird. This game came out to be like a 91. And everybody, ooh, yeah. sorry, <laughs> Nintendo for fans. Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Because, I mean, Metroid Prime Remaster was a 95. I'm like, there's no fucking way it's going to be lower than that. So, yeah. Thankfully. What was... What was uh, uh, Breath of the Wild? Breath of the Wild, I think, is a 96, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. Okay, I think it's a ninety six. Um but you looked that up. Um Yep, ninety six, yeah, ninety six. Yeah. It's a ninety six with uh, yeah. Probably more reviews, I think, at this point, I would imagine. Oh yeah, yeah. Almost two hundred yeah. reviews. Um uh and obvious some some obvious haters here. Oh for sure. For sure. Slant magazine gave it three stars. Damn. And even then the lowest is like a seven. Anyway. Yeah, I thought you hated me. Um okay. Here's the thing. <laughs> I don't. I didn't find anything egregious about the reviews either. However, yeah. I do think that a lot of reviewers threw softballs at this game, and their their reviews were very like surface level. I just couldn't put this game down. I could not wait to continue exploring every nook and cranny of Hyrule. And it, you only read like Lon- reviews from London. Yeah, they're always from London in my brain. Um, and and I think that's my problem. It's like. 
I want like a review that really gets into the weeds. Get into the weeds of the mechanics. Get into the weeds of the combat. Tell me about your thoughts about the pace. Like there, there's um there's a few YouTube channels that I think really do a good job of that. White Light is one of them. Uh, Noah Caldwell Gervais. He's a he's he's just a one man act, but he does these like one hour two hour breakdowns of games, really diving into every aspect of them. And I I'm not saying that every review should do that, but I wish that some of these reviews were not so hollow and like pedantic and they actually weren't afraid to kind of get in the trenches and talk about how things really feel. Um, and a lot of the reviews just kind of explain what the game does. You have four abilities or five abilities. One of them's this, one of them's that five stars, you know, it's like, well, you just, yeah. you, you basically wrote a preview of the game. So I, I think most of it is just like, if, if I really wanted to read these reviews to get like nitty gritty information, I would probably be left empty handed. Um, so I, I wish they just would have gotten a little bit more in depth, but I also know it's tough because the spoilers, you don't want to really say too much, piss people off. Um, so I, I get well, it. Like I get most reviews anyway, nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, that is going to wrap up, um, our loadout segment <laughs> of the show. That's fucking crazy. Uh, hour and 15 in the, in, in this thing. But, uh, we will obviously, you know, report back on how our respective, uh, playthroughs of tears of the kingdom are going as we move through the next couple of weeks of, of, of our gaming lives. But, I think that's a pretty sufficient ass uh, little early impressions. We're not going to go this in depth every week, guys. This is this was really like no, no, no. no. Maybe if we get to like when we roll credits, we want to really kind of okay. Here's our thoughts. Now that we've seen it from start to finish, maybe, but we ain't going this hard in the paint again for uh, old old uh, Linky here. Um, mm-hmm. Let's move on, however, Pablo. But before we do that, if you like what you're hearing so far, if you appreciated these deep dives into games as big as The Legend of Zelda, consider subscribing to our show. We drop new episodes every single Monday on all streaming services. And if you're feeling extra cool, follow us on IG and Twitter at It's Cooldown Time, if you don't mind. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the new segment of the show, Pablo, that we call The Hit Points. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for Hit Points. I ain't gonna lie, I damn near forgot what the name of that segment was. That was me trying to remember it in real time. <laughs> All uh, that Zelda talk, I was like, what do we do? What's the show name? Um, anyway. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so, Pablo, let me go ahead and kick it over to you. We have a very, very lean segment here uh, with one topic. Uh, obviously, we spent a lot of time talking about Zelda, but let's switch gears and talk about another company uh, you may know as PlayStation. Yeah, according to Jeff Grubb, uh, PlayStation cho- Showcase is coming during the week of May 25th. And some industry insiders are saying that the long-rumored Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater remake will be revealed at the showcase. They also said that Snake Eater and future Konami game remakes such as Silent Hill and Castlevania will be timed PlayStation exclusives. So, is this finally happening? Are we finally getting a showcase? Uh, are we finally getting that Snake Eater uh, reveal? And how are we feeling about the rumors? And what's our hype level when it comes to uh, just this entire PlayStation showcase? And and actually, what's our hype level for Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater Remake? Marco. Yeah, man. Lead us off. Um, let's talk about it. So, showcase to me. Um, man, we're long overdue for one of these, dude. Um, Hell yeah, These man. state of plays, they're cute. Some of them are pretty solid, but... Some are horrible. I'm hungry, let's man. Let's not forget, some of these are so bad. I'm hungry. Hungry for some snake... Um, that was, that was horrible. <laughs> disgusting. Um, I think that this showcase is going to be a pretty big one. 
Um, I, 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 I think that they have probably been withholding a good amount of announcements, um, because of the whole ABK deal. I think there's been a stretch of time where I think Xbox and PlayStation were both trying to look weak for a while. And Mm -hmm. I think that probably now PlayStation is sort of ready. I would imagine to say, okay, it's time to kind of unleash the payload here, show what we have in the tuck and just start the 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 next wave the next phase if you will of uh playstation 5 and i think that there's no better way to kind of usher that in than with a bombshell like snake eater um now we've we've talked about this rumor on the show before it's not the first time we brought it up not new yeah um i i i think at this point you can't say that it doesn't exist it's it's real it's got to be real um and you know there was originally some rumors that maybe Bluepoint is working on a Metal Gear Solid. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're just working on Bloodborne. I don't know. I actually think we're going to see Snake Eater and we're going to see Bluepoint's next project, which I do think is going to be Bloodborne. Um, yeah, because Snake Eater 3, I think it's been one of those things where, not confirmed, but it's like a known secret that Virtuous, Virtuous Studios, is, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. is working on, on that specifically. Virtual. Yeah. Um, Virtual mission. Now, Snake. <laughs> Virtuous mission. We're doing terrible at these impressions, but whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm super hyped. I, I think it's time to kind of lift the veil on what we should expect this year besides just Spider-Man. I um, Look, I, I think it's time. This has potential to be a massive showcase, man. Yeah. Spider-Man 2. And then, uh, obviously, you know, Ghost of Tsushima 2 is long. Uh, they've been working on that. So, like... I think that this is going to set up the future, mm-hmm. but also tell us what's coming out here soon because they got nothing else between Spider-Man and they're bolstering their, their library, obviously, smartly. Wish Xbox would do this with third-party games such as Snake Eater mm-hmm. and, um, and, all that. and Final Fantasy 16. Yeah, yeah. So they're, yeah. they're doing it, man. I, I I want this more than I than I want this as bad as I wanted Tears of the Kingdom. Honestly, mm-hmm. I Metal Gear Solid Three is my second uh, Snake Eater is my second favorite game of all time. Right before Ocarina enough time, I think that is a masterpiece of a game with the, some of the best boss po- boss fights ever, unique and in their own way, and just kind of how intricate the story is and how it sets up the rest of. Of, of, of Metal Gear which is why it's probably the first game it's really like the, the prequel of Brawl prequels and I would love to see this feel like a modern game play like a modern game a lot of Marco's gripes with the menu system I hope that they're able to fix that shit and not really get to the menus but one of the reasons why I'm so excited about it and my hype level is obviously at 5 it's because Marco if this is good that means we're gonna get more and I would love nothing more than to see the original PlayStation Metal Gear be, be remade. PlayStation 2 uh, Sons of Liberty, not that Twin Snakes bullshit, be remade. I, I, I would love to see that. I would love for them to, to really, you know, reset after that and, and, and wash out five and four. Fuck four. Uh, so, yeah, yeah man, I, I'm super excited about this. And this showcase could go down in history as one of the best showcases that they've ever uh uh, I've put out because they have so much, uh, f- you know, they have so much ammunition here. Yeah, for sure. My hype level is probably at a four um, because I, I don't know enough about this Virtuous Studios to know what I should expect in terms of quality. Yeah, I don't know what, what they're going to hold sacred from Kojima's original work versus what they're going to try to change and how jarring that might be for some people. I'm not as big on Snake Eater as other people are with Metal Gear. Um, it's not even in my top 20 anymore of games of all time Ew, it's just it just doesn't fuck listen up. menu gear solid three 
I'm sorry. That's what they should have named this bullshit. Um, but listen, um, <laughs> he called it bullshit. Not damn <laughs> bullshit in the context of MGS one and two being you know damn near perfect games in my opinion. But listen, um, four, uh, and I say four because I think that they're going to lean really heavily into Spider Man, and I think that's great. Um, I say four tentatively because I think they need at least two more games to come out before the end of the year. Um, Oh, that that's not are exclusive. I, I would love to see if there is a Bloodborne. I would love to see that come out in the holiday time. Um, maybe, you know, November or something like that. I You know, um, maybe factions. I, I based on, factions would be great. Yeah. Oh, factions. Yeah, factions. Factions. I forgot about yeah. factions. Dude, I don't know if they need more. That, I mean, it'd be great. But, I mean, Xbox is not really delivering the goods. And yeah. PlayStation, Spider-Man 2 is going to be massive. And they already have Final Fantasy. But, I mean, I would love to see more. That's, mm-hmm. That is uh, unquestionable. Um, Marco, real quick here. Uh, just kind of to go over what games they've worked on. Dave are a studio that's worked on a lot of next gen uh, like upgrades and also a lot of uh, a lot of kind of like remakes and remasters. They did Final Fantasy, uh, which is this one, twelve, the Zodiac Age. They did that. Uh, they did uh, the remake or the remaster. They did Dark Souls remaster, which was excellent. They worked on the next gen Marvel's Avengers. They did Warzone. They helped with Warzone. They helped with Grounded. They helped with Horizon Zero Dawn. They uh, helped with um, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, famously, and their most, their worst. This is their worst one. It's the Outer Worlds, the uh, the Switch version of the Outer Worlds is what they. Oh, so so, they, they, so three is my hype level now. Yeah, they, 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 exactly. <laughs> They've not worked on anything that is uh, their you their own. Yeah. Um, but they've worked on a lot of stuff to where like. They have. They're technically savvy because Naughty Dog and 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 uh, not Naughty Dog, but uh, uh, Respawn and Horizon Zero Dawn folks, uh, Guerrilla Games. They they've worked on a lot of these games. Uh, so like the tech know how is there now? Can they put it together? Same thing. You can say thing about Blue Point. Like they've done a lot of remasters, doing their unique game. Can they do it? Maybe we'll see. But you're right. This is not a short home run. No. But I hope that it, it is, and that's why I'm at five for both the game and the the, the PlayStation gotcha. showcase. All right, man. Well, that is going to do it for hit points this week, Pablo. It is time to get to the main event of the show that we call the checkpoint chat. Let's go. It's time for the checkpoint chat. All right. So in honor of the release of the Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom, and the obvious timeless relationship between Zelda and Link, we decided to go ahead and explore which are the best one-two punches, the best duos in gaming history. Me and Pablo took a stab at a list of our top five. We're going to go from five all the way up to our number one spots, uh, and our lists are sure to probably make some of you rage because some of the omissions on this list are pretty interesting, just as well as the things that did make the cut um, and where they're ranked. So, um, Pablo, let's not waste any time here. I think this is a pretty straightforward segment. Doesn't need a lot of exposition unless you have anything yeah. to add on here at all. But I think we're ready to get started. If you no. think so too. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Pablo, go ahead and kick us off, man. Number five. All right. So number five, Mario and Luigi. I know a lot of people, when they think about dynamic duels, they think about Mario and Luigi. Yeah. 
it's on my list at number five. That's more of a respect thing. You know, a lot of a lot of times early on, Mario and Luigi were more of a color swap than anything else. Uh, even though in terms of how they play, pretty much the same. Uh, but as time has grown and you see Mario and the Luigi relationship, the brother uh, relationship grown a little bit, uh, it's never something you see too much in the video games themselves. So I'm kind of judging this off like the video games, not off like the the movie that just came out or like the the story behind Mario and Luigi as who they are together or whatnot. So, uh, but it, you know, there are they are iconic. Uh, you know Mario wearing red and Luigi the in, in, in Luigi in the green. That that uh that seeing that is, is an iconic uh kind of thing. But yeah, that, I got Mario and Luigi just based on the respect of the of the two uh, most iconic characters, uh, brotherly uh, characters uh, probably in the world. So yeah, that's why I think some people will be like, why isn't that number one? And it you know the, because they're it, iconic, but they don't, they don't add each it, other. They don't add nothing to each other. Go. Like. It, it, it doesn't bolster Mario's personality. Luigi's, it's, it's, Luigi's scary uh, cat and Mario is a, a brave guy. Okay, who gives a fuck? Like, that doesn't really mean anything in, in the grand text of, of Super Mario World. Right. Yeah. He's not even in, in like the, a lot of 3D games. So like Individually, I think they're cool. Mario is what it is. Luigi has a lot more personality in terms of like, you know, just his whole vibe is, is hilarious. Yeah. But together, I mean, they really mean yeah, At the end of the so, day, they're mascots. Yeah. So you're just, you're not going to get that much yeah. mileage out of them in terms of depth and stuff like right. that. Um, yeah. Gotcha. My number five, Pablo, is maybe another pick that, that people could say could be a number one Master Chief and Cortana. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, the the dynamics between the two of these characters really made um, early Halo an, an incredible experience. Um, I think Cortana's Absolutely. presence in Master Chief's, uh, you know, day to day really kind of gave him a little bit more dimension. Um, she brought more out of his character than I think we would have ever gotten of him just being solo dolo. And I think you really felt that... Um, in future Halo games, post three, uh, post Bungie, um, when they kind of turned Cortana into this fucking villain, which was a terrible decision, and that's probably the reason why I have it bumped down. I think they've kind of misused that relationship um, since you know Bungie passed the torch. Um, otherwise, it would have been probably in the top three uh, if it hadn't been for the, the yeah. bungles with the narrative there. But um, I, I just love the dynamic they had together. Um, it always felt right having those two. And Cortana's personality in particular, I think, was really underrated and gave a lot of color to what could have been a very sterile sci-fi military shooter story. Yeah. Uh, for sure. So that's my number five, mate. Yeah. Now, we actually share, number five. We share the same number four. Yeah, uh, our number four is uh, Shepard and Garrus. Mm. Um, yeah, man, look, uh, this is like an iconic relationship, whether it is like boyfriend and girlfriend in Mass Effect or as as friends, like Garrus's love and loyalty towards Shepard and, and, and Shepard's returning that back to Garrus. There's like a really sense of, of respect there uh, amongst each other. My femship was super thirsty for Garrus, uh, but I just love like how at, at, at the end of the day, when you look at Garrus' story and who he was and what he becomes under the leadership and tutelage of Shepard and how Shepard, depending on how you play, but in most cases, just these two characters and how Shepard having Garrus on his team, how that makes him a, a better leader, uh, someone he can rely on. Everything about this relationship is 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 amazing to me. I think it's it's one of the it's one of the things that makes Mass Effect awesome is 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 the fact that the, these two can stand out when Mass Effect Two is a game about relationships. But the fact that Garrus always stands out and it always that 
always seeing them together is always great. The conversations that they have, there's just it's 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 truly a well written duo. And I don't know anybody who's played Shepard and not gotten along with Garrus or you know done all the loyalty missions for Garrus or like just been all about Garrus because he's just absolutely amazing in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Uh, for me, I was male Shepard in the beginning, so I had the more of like bros for life kind of dynamic with him. Yeah, I didn't exactly I want the, the scaly yeah. peen like you did. But, you know, interestingly... She was thirsty, bro. <laughs> she was like, why don't you work me out right now? And he and Garrus actually got nervous in that interaction. He's like, oh, I, I, I don't know if I can do it right now. Because, you know, I got the ship and I'm diagnostic. Right, right. Got, it, yeah, it was, got to check them levels. Yeah. Uh, but, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, she probably tore her guts out with whatever that shit was. <laughs> She's like, I don't know. He's like, I ate the pussy. I literally ate What's it. What's that on my bed? Crazy. Oh, that's my uterus. <laughs> you pulled it right out of my guts. Uh, He's like, I found that in there. You don't need that. <laughs> you don't need that. She can be rebuilt. Um, so, listen. Yeah, that's true. yeah, mine was more of like a bros for life thing uh, with male shepherding Garris. And it was just fun, man. He He is that. He is like the perfect companion character to a T, you know, uh, extremely yeah. loyal. Very funny, uh, has a unique personality of his own, has personal motivations of his own, has a lot of depth, um, and just somebody that you, when you don't have him in your squad, it feels weird, or at least it did to me. It's yep. like, ah, oh, fuck, I want to bring Garrus. Like, how can I, like, I actually picked my class around a way that complimented Garrus being in my squad the most, um, and that's how I knew. I'm like, all right, this is this is my dude right here. Uh, so, h- having him uh, as as this constant throughout the trilogy of Mass Effect was was so fun. And um, I, I'll never forget when you meet him in Mass Effect Two, and you don't know it's him because uh, he's this like crazy sniper that's just you know posted up killing these like um, th- these these people on Omega. And yeah. you're like, who the fuck is this guy? And you, he. And it's fucking Garrus. And you're like, yes, please tell me you're going to join my party again. And he, he does. And that was like one of, one of my favorite moments in Mass Effect history when I knew I had him back. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, he is clearly uh, a top tier character. And so just that bond throughout the game uh, and the trilogy itself with him was just one of a kind. So definitely deserve yeah. a place on my list and yours as well. Uh, but go ahead and hit us with your number three best duo in gaming history. Yeah, Joel, Joel and Ellie for me, man. You Ooh. know, uh, for those of you, a lot of Joel and Ellie this year for those the game plus the remake last late last year and then the show this year. You know, you know the story, man. Ellie makes Joel better, and Joel makes Ellie feel loved. You know, it, it's just one of those things. There, it's a, it's a, it's a relationship that is healthy and unhealthy, but you understand it through and through. Like there is no. There is no Joel without Ellie. Uh, spoiler, we have to endure Ellie without Joel, and that's not very good either. We actually had to see that. And we see how much that me- that relationship means to Ellie and, and, and where she ends up at the end of that game. Uh, just shows how important these two are to each other in this world that is basically falling apart. And there's, there's not a really stronger emotional relationship than Joel and Ellie in any video game, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, that's where I'm at with that. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll be talking about them a little later on here but my number three is lee and clementine from the walking dead a telltale series um man it was impactful to me when i first played it um fast forward all these years later becoming a girl dad totally different level um the relationship between lee 
and Clementine in in that game is um, probably some of the most meaningful, impactful. It's what a lot of people say about Kratos and Atreus, but I think Lee and Clementine blow that shit out of the water. Um, you know, yeah. the, the facts of life that Lee, uh, you know, passes down to Clementine, the survival techniques and, you know, just, you know, knowing that she's a girl in a very scary world um, with a lot of dangers, um, obviously sensationalized because it's a zombie apocalypse. But you can you can draw, you know, uh, correlations to, to real life in, in those uh, moments they have together and, and, you know, her learning the ropes with him. Um, obviously, what happens at the end of the game and the fate of Lee and kind of what his last words are to Clementine and how that shapes her as she gets older and comes into her own and becomes who she is in future games, which is really interesting to watch unfold. Um, you see a lot of what he taught her um, passed down and how, how she took that, internalized it, and uses it in, in her way of life. And it's just truly special to, to see that all shake out uh, the way that it does. So it, it would be a terrible omission if I didn't have it in my top three. So that's where it is right now. Yeah, that's yeah. I like that one. I, I forgot. I had forgotten that. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, my number two is Kiryu and Majima. Majima. These are the quintessential frenemies uh, of the list. Uh, anybody who's played Yakuza game, they know the relationship well. Uh, you know, I, in in the game. Within the game, Kiryu has described Majima as a friend, but also as a rival. Yeah. And their back and forth is always iconic. Majima is literally Joker to, to Kiryu's Batman. Like, Majima lives uh, for Kiryu, but Kiryu just would feel empty without Majima. Like, their, their, their relationship is weird, fucked up, and weirdly like kind of emotional I, I in terms of like if you know the story Majima had a brother that he lost and the reason he loves Kiryu so much or you know is so obsessed with this because it reminds him of that brother and so you know and I think I can't remember too clearly in 5 because I played 5 a long time ago but I think uh, Majima at least fakes his death or takes a, a a bullet for for Kiryu at the end of the day, like, and then when it comes to especially in the spinoffs, when you see Majima and Kiryu together, they're always at the very end of the game. The person that Kiryu always trusts the most is Majima, and Maji trusts Kiryu. They always come together to 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 to, to, to figure shit out, and it is amazing because of how absolutely insane Majima <laughs> is and how absolutely not insane Kiryu is. It's the perfect yin yang uh, relationship, uh, and I think that it is masterfully written. In every game, and I love seeing these story uh, characters interact. I just want more and more of this, and I hope that we get to see more. Dude, of it. every time he walks up to Kiryu and goes, "Kiryu chat," <laughs> I cry yeah. laughing. He's, it's he so lo- hilarious. It's literally like Joker. It's like Joker seeing Batman is like, "You complete me." When he tells it's him that, so it's good. like it's it's so yeah. good. Oh man! And each of those characters, they're so and they're so different, you know, and and. Y- it's kind of like a little bit weird that Kiryu would want to be Majima's fan because Majima was so insane. But uh, yeah. I, I love it, man. It is so fun, uh, uh, and that's why they're my number Please two. Please play Yakuza off. You haven't done that. What, what you waiting on, man? Yeah. Um, my number two, Joel and Ellie. Um, you said a lot about those two. Um, I think that you know it, their their relationship is so unique because they are so. Uh, against the grain as, as individuals in, in any way, shape, or form I've ever seen in any game. Um, you know, there's there's the spunky kid in a lot of games, and then there's Ellie. 
you know, Ellie is a whole character. She is a whole person um, at such a young age. Um, Quick-witted, funny as shit, very serious, a really dark side that comes through in, in obviously, part two. Yeah. Whereas Joel, you know, loses it all, becomes a grizzled guy that's just trying not to die, you know, but he's crossed a lot of people. Um, and <laughs> finds, you know, something close to family in Ellie and the way that that morphs both of their characters is just, it's, it's unbelievable stuff. Um, it, it translates great in both of the games. It translates just as well in the show and I can't be more excited for the future of the series, although it's obviously missing one of the two moving forward. Um, yeah. but still in all, um, just two of the best characters I've ever seen in the game, just hands down. And, uh, it, it would be, um, really a shame to see a list of mine without this on them, uh, on, on there at all. So yeah, had to be number two, but not my number one. Um, speaking of number ones, yeah. Pablo, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and talk about it. Let's get there. What, what, what do you got, man? Yeah, man, it's, uh, it's Link and Zelda, man. Zelda and Link. I mean, look, um, when you look at, characters in the game you know they're always like all these characters we mentioned beforehand obviously but zelda and link are always intrinsically attached to one another zelda in the in the lore zelda and link are always destined to find each other and their relationship is unique because the joke is you know zelda has a friend zone link but the the reality of it is that there is really rarely a rela- romantic relationship between both of them it's, pr- it's basically platonic it's basically she's a princess and he's a servant uh but the way that these two are always together and the way that the lore and everything is written about the love that they have for each other, even though that is not necessarily a romantic love. I just think that it's it's a really like symbiotic and kind of beautiful thing. And it's called The Legend of Zelda, but ultimately Link is as much as part of that as as and any game w- w- would be, or any relationship, or any two characters would be. And I love I, I love the fact that. Um, there are certain rules that will always apply. I, I do li- li- love the fact that in some instances, like Minish Cap, and maybe in, in Skyward Sword, there is a little more romantic tinge to it. I, I love that Hyrule was created by uh, you know Zelda and, and and Link established Hyrule together. Like the history of Zelda as in within lore is starts with Link and Zelda, ends with Link and Zelda on both ends of the spectrum in time. So just the fact that the journey through time is always them together and it's literally finding each other, whether that be through friendship, through servitude, through love, romantic or not, it's just a really kind of beautiful story told from A to Z all, always and all the time. And I love I love it both. That's why it's my number one. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think there is an undercurrent of love for each other um, that kind of shows through in a subtle way. I mean, I you know you're right. I, I don't I don't think Zelda wants her back blown out or anything like that. <laughs> um, but I do think that you know they have something that you know there's some like cosmic thing that just draws them together it, through time yeah. and through um, you know obviously experiences they've had together. And I think that's a beautiful thing um, that doesn't necessarily have to be romantic. Uh, so I I, yeah. I I do like that they don't. Okay, we'll make them a thing, you know, and just kind of basically cave in you know no no and i I love that you know in link's awakening that game is basically a fever 
dream by Link. And even in his dreams, he has Marin, who is the manifestation of Zelda. So it's like, even in his like sleeping time, he's thinking about uh, about Zelda. Nah, maybe he wants to blow her back it. out. I don't know, but I know she doesn't want it. In some, in some, in some <laughs> games, I think in Link to the Past, he likes her and he saves her based on that. I think in Ocarina of Time, she likes him and he's kind of like just... You know, not worthy of her love or whatever. There's so much going mm-hmm. on. There's always so so much subtext to it. That's why I like the complexity of it as well. Yeah. All right. Well, my number one, Pablo. It should have been Joel and Ellie, but it ain't because it's Snake and Otacon. Stop yeah, man, playing with me. This is the duo of duos for me, bro. Um, they are so much. The the others yin to their yang and and vice versa. It's it's so incredible their journey together and mm-hmm. how much they truly truly love each other as friends and the way that they support each other the way that they can lock in and be ultra focused on a mission the way they, they can spin it into a more emotional thing when it comes to um you know uh, Otacon's history and his family lineage which is very fucking dark and snake is yeah. kind of there as that person to confide in about it um, and then also the lighthearted moments, the funny moments of snakes in a locker and, you know, Otacon makes a joke and then Snake makes a joke about, well, the first time I met you was in a locker and you pissed yourself, you know, and then they can kind of have yeah. those like, oh, look at the past kind of moments together. Um, truly and, and honestly, I don't think one character would be as good as they are without the other. And, and that's what I think really comprises a great duo is that on their own, Without an Otacon, Snake isn't the same. Without a Snake, Otacon is just any old, you know, companion character ever, you know, uh, over a radio. And But together, they, they just fit perfectly and have this bond that uh, persists through all the ups and downs and all the tragedies and all the triumphs and all of the uncertainties of the story, which is a very wacky-ass story. Thank you, Kojima, you ho-ass bitch. <laughs> Um, Jesus. But they just find a way through it all to be there for each other. Uh, they're the quintessential, you know, we're going to be two old farts, uh, you know, that grow old together and die together, except Kojima fucked that yeah. up too by making Snake age old for no fucking reason at all as a plot device. Let me not get back on Metal Gear Solid 4 rants. Pablo stopped me. But um, yeah, to me, this was an obvious one. Um, I just, I think that this is the... This is the benchmark for me in terms of modern yeah. storytelling. Uh, I, I don't think it gets much better than than what Snake and Otacon have done. For sure, that's a good. I love that one. I should have that in my top five. But yeah, I, it was tough, man. There was some omissions here. Dom and Marcus Phoenix was one that I was like, mm, do I, do I yeah. want that in? Do I not? There was a couple of them that made me really sit back and. Think. I had like uh, I had Booker DeWitt and Elizabeth because say what we will about that game that that relationship with each other was like fucking fire. Yeah. I love that entire uh, interaction. Between yeah, I had daughter and, and father. And, I thought about that, yeah. but I'm like, ah, you know, I like putting good games on my list. Uh, you know, and hey, I had uh, Eco and Yorda from Eco. Uh, I love that. Like, just no no dialogue. Game. I had Gordon and Alex Vance from Half Life uh, Two. It, there was a lot of yeah. real tough cuts in this one, man, but uh, I, I yeah. think our list ended up in a pretty good place here. 
Sonic and Tails. That's gonna do it for this week's show. Uh, well, I'm not. I'm not uh, entertaining. Rice and beans. Well, I like rice and oh, beans. Oh, just video games. I like rice and beans. Oh, okay. Uh, until next time, uh, that's gonna do it for us. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at It's Cooldown Time, and subscribe to our show so you don't miss our future episodes. Uh, thanks for listening to this week's episode, and have a great Mother's Day week. And we'll see you next week. Make me feel good.